0: Nobody sat in the front row, man. I won't take it personally. It must be a breath thing. Yes, great. My boss in the front row, perfect. <laughs> oh. I'm excited for tonight's text. It's an amazing, a phenomenal text. Um, it's been a, it's been a great couple days. Just being able to soak in it. Um, I was just thinking about it as we were worshiping, you know, it's, it's so exciting when we get to teach things like this because these are real people <laughs> that we're talking about here. These, these are, these are you know, this woman, this man, this little girl that we're going to talk about tonight, these are real people. They have real hurt. They had real pain. They had real suffering. They had real joy. They had real experience, flesh and blood experience. They had real emotion that that was triggered that, that, um, that really happened. And we can connect with them because... We're real, too. (laughs) We have these hurts, these struggles, these emotions. We've encountered the Lord as well. It's exciting. Um, This text, uh, it's kind of like a self-propelled vacuum cleaner. It honestly, is just going to teach itself. I mean, it's, it's just a really, it's a cool narrative. It's a cool story. So we're just going to kind of take it verse by verse and look at it as we go. Normally, we would kind of read the whole thing and then maybe point out a few things as we go. This, I just want to take it as it comes. Let the story unfold. It's exciting. It's actually two stories sandwiched into one um, that actually happened at the same time, which is pretty pretty awesome. Um, as we read this, will you guys kind of be thinking about the correlation between the two stories. I really want that to be something that that you guys kind of see, the correlation between these two stories. And then also, will you guys do me a favor? Will you study it at home this week? Because there's so much more there. I mean, we're just gonna skim the surface. Um, There's so much there. I'd love for you guys to get outside of just what I have here. So let's pray. Most high God, uh, Lord, we just thank you tonight for your grace. Lord, we thank you that you have saved wretches like us. God, not only saved us, Lord, but that you've made something glorious out of us, Lord, that that you, Lord, would find pleasure and joy, Lord, in us, God, that you, Lord, would have eternal things in mind for us, God, Lord, that you would share yourself with us for all eternity, Jesus, I just thank you tonight for that, God, I thank you for heritage, I thank you for these people, Lord, that um, love your scriptures, God, that have hearts and Bibles open, um, ready to receive, God, I thank you. Lord, for the worship um, that just took place, God. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to teach, Lord. I, I'm flawed. Lord, I, there's a lot I don't understand. Um, there's, there's a lot of things in this text that I'm missing, God. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you would come and teach us um, about Jesus. Do what you do best. Glorify Jesus through the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. <clears throat> it says, and when Jesus had crossed again into the boat... <clears throat> In the boat, sorry, to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. So last week, if you guys were here, um, Jesus was on the other side of the sea, the west side of the sea, and we saw him cast out many demons out of a man. The demons were called Legion. You guys remember that? Um, Crazy story. Um, Sets this man free, and then Jesus actually sends this guy out. He says, I want you to go back to your people, I want you to go back to your home, and I want you to... Tell them what I've done for you. I want you to tell them about this miracle, this miraculous thing that's happened. Um, So this man goes back to his home, and then Jesus, ironically, gets kicked out. They want him gone. They want him out. So Jesus gets in a boat, sails back across the sea to the west side, uh, back into the Jewish territory where this story we're going to look at takes place. Verse 22, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, a man named Jairus. Okay, let's talk about him really quick. What do we know about Jairus? So he was, what was called there, you see, the ruler of the synagogue. Um, Kind of interesting what a ruler of the synagogue was. When I first read that, I kind of was thinking, okay, this guy's kind of like a pastoral leader, uh, Pharisee, scribe kind of thing. Not quite. A a ruler of the synagogue was actually someone that would be more of like the caretaker. So it would be like a layman, someone that had another job, but was actually um, called to be the caretaker of the synagogue. So he was responsible for the building itself. Um, He was responsible for the setup for worship, the arrangements for worship, things like that. Um, That was basically his job, this guy, J. Iris. Um, To have this position, it's important to know. It's important to know that that he would have been a respected guy, that he would have been um, an established, well-thought-of man to have this position. So this is a guy that's known of in the community. This is a guy um, that people look up to, um, the people that go to that synagogue especially. He would be a well-thought-of, respectable uh, man. Uh, He would have known about Jesus. It's important to note that. He would have known about Jesus and his ministry, uh, he would have been familiar with the miracles that Jesus had been doing. So Jairus, Iris, I'm sure, knew about Jesus at this point. Jesus' fame—it's—it's—it's it's, it's broad. Okay, people know about what he's doing. His miracles are getting out. People are hearing about it. And J. Iris, just like anyone, would have known about that, especially. Now, notice back in our uh, back in our text here. says, Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Seeing him, he fell at his feet. Implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he comes to Jesus frantic. (laughs) He comes to Jesus hurting. He says, My little daughter... We'll find out later. She's twelve years old. This twelve-year-old little girl, my little daughter, is at the point of death. Not she's got a broken leg. Not she's got a cold. Not she's sick. Not she might die someday. No, she's going to die like any moment. There's an urgency here. This man, Jairus, comes to Jesus and says, "There's an urgency. My daughter is at the point of death. Will you help her?" He's at his feet. It says, in this humble approach to Christ. So Jairus approaches Jesus in this desperate manner. <clears throat> Now, I have a little girl now, okay, so I can kind of relate with this, right? I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine if my little girl was could could die at any point, if she was so sick that she could die at any point. I mean, I would do anything, right? And you get parents out there, you would do anything to save your little girl, your little boy from that. And that's exactly where Jay Iris finds himself. His stomach's probably in knots, his hands would be shaking, his heart would be racing million thoughts a second going through his mind, I've got to do anything to save my little girl, she can't die. I can't imagine that. This man probably would have mocked Jesus at some point, I would imagine. Now, consider him sort of in the same category as the scribes and the Pharisees in that they would probably worship together, so this guy would probably be not a fan of Jesus, <laughs> but yet because of what's going on in his life, he finds himself at the feet of Jesus now in a humble place asking him to heal his daughter i think it's interesting as a side note i grew up in a very conservative christian home very conservative christian type worship scenario where where we believe that god can heal um but it's not an an emphasis necessarily god's really been convicting me more lately what would it look like if we really believed that god healed right I'm not talking about like prosperity gospel. I'm talking about commanding God. I'm just talking about what would it look like if we really believed that God would heal. I think it's interesting that when our life is good and our life is fine and someone has issues or hard t- times or they have physical ailments, we're, we're really slow sometimes to really believe God for a miracle. But then when it's you, when you get diagnosed with cancer, when your kid or your child or your husband or your spouse or your brother or your sister is on their deathbed, all of a sudden we need a miracle now, Right? I mean, there's a sense of urgency about it. We need a miracle now. This is, what JRS, this is, the, this is where Jairus finds himself. I mean, he would even go to Jesus, someone that he probably would have made fun of as a heretic before. Now he finds himself at his feet saying, will you please heal my daughter? I need a miracle. What if we had that heart all the time for those that are hurting? What if we had that heart all the time for those that, that need healing? I have a friend um, that I had a conversation a while ago that has stage 4 cancer diagnosed with stage 4 cancer so he he could go at any moment they gave him about a year or two right So he could go at any moment we're having this conversation over lunch and we're talking about what is it like to know that you're gonna die <laughs> you know just having a real honest sobering conversation what's it like to know that you could just go you know and, and he was telling some different stories and he was giving, giving this one example this one story of where this guy was praying for him this Pentecostal guy was praying for him and uh really just believe in God for a miracle, you know. And there were some theological things, obviously, he didn't quite agree with um, in his prayer, but yet this guy was just passionately praying for a miracle. And then he, his sort of mentor was off to the side listening in, uh, more of a number four, maybe more, maybe circle, and, and had some issues with this guy's prayer. And so my, my buddy that's going to die of cancer goes over and he talks to his mentor, and his mentor starts to kind of pick apart this guy's prayer. <laughs> and the guy that's going to die of cancer is just like, I'm just glad he prayed for me, you know. He's like, I just want someone to pray for me. I just want someone to believe that God can heal me. And that really, that really struck me, that like stuck in my heart, kind of stuck in my mind. I mean, may we not be so conservative that, 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 that we don't really get on our knees and believe a miracle to heal those that need it, right? And God's sovereign, and God uses suffering, God uses pain and, and for his purposes, for his kingdom. But this story says we're to believe and we're to have faith that God can heal, right? Like it was us. Like Jairus, Iris, I mean, he would do anything at that moment. I love also in this uh, that Jesus is available, right? What happens? It says in verse twenty-four, he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. In verse twenty-four, Jesus just went. <laughs> Jairus Iris comes into the picture. Jesus just goes. He says, "Okay, let's go. Let's let's go." He's available. I'm sure Jesus has a million things he could be doing, right? But he just stops what he's doing and he says, let's go. He's available. It says in Hebrews that he's our high priest. So we can approach him at any time, right? And he's, he's willing to minister to us at any time. I love seeing that in Jesus. It says that this crowd followed him and thronged about him. So there's a large crowd coming about Jesus. So, Jairus, I need a healing. Boom. There's people there. Why? Because they want to see the healing, right? That's how people are. That's how mobs are, right? <laughs> they want to see the miraculous. Now, not necessarily there because they want the life-transforming gospel of Jesus, not necessarily there because they believe in what Jesus was saying and they're ready to receive what Jesus is saying, but they're more so there because they want to see a miracle they want to see something crazy happen, right? So this huge crowd comes around. And we know that, right, because later on when Jesus says, hey, you've got to eat my body and drink my blood, what happens? <laughs> they all leave. Remember that? And he says to his disciples, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter says, where else would we go? You're, you, know, you have the words of life. So this, this crowd, they're not here because they're interested in in the, his truth, his gospel. They're not interested in who he is. They're interested in seeing something cool, seeing something powerful, seeing something miraculous. Verse 25, and there was a woman, okay, now Mark, sorry, interjection here, Mark turns the focus, okay, we got this big crowd, Jairus comes, Jesus says, okay, let's go heal. Let's go heal your daughter. They're on their way, and all of a sudden, Mark pauses everything and turns the camera over and he says in verse 25 there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Now this is interesting. This doesn't happen a lot in the gospels where there's one story taking place and then all of a sudden something else is happening on the way. It's really interesting. Let's talk about this woman a little bit. Okay, it says that she has a bleeding problem Okay, we need, we need to kind of quantify that. So it's a hemorrhaging, okay? she's She's got some some bleeding problems that, that would have a lot of implications that we'll talk about. First of all, that would mean that she would be very weak, okay? Because she doesn't have enough blood in her system to give her the energy. So she's very weak. She's very em- embarrassed often. This is a menstrual problem. This is, this is a, a hemorrhaging problem that she's had for 12 years. Now, the Old Testament law, this is crazy. The Old Testament law says declares that an issue like this would make you unclean for seven days. Okay, so when a woman was that time of the month, she was unclean for seven days. That means you couldn't touch her, you couldn't be around her, you couldn't sit in the same seat as her, or you were ceremonially unclean, and you had to go through some hoops to uh, to become clean. So that's that's hardcore, right? Well, this woman's been like that for 12 years. Okay, what does that mean? It means she can't go to synagogue, and she can't go to the temple, mean, she can't live with her family. She can't touch her family. She can't touch her friends. She can't go to social gatherings. She can't go to the market. She can't go to places where there's multiple people because if she touches them, then they're unclean, right? C- certain places even said that, that some people believed if you even were to look at a woman with that uncleanness that they would defile you. So we're talking like social outcasts here. Can you imagine the pain of this woman That she's been going through for 12 years She can't even go be with her friends She can't even go to the synagogue So anyone that would touch her Would have been banished until cleaning She spent it says all of her money on doctors Trying to be healed She's been trying for 12 years She's been trying to get healed Nothing's working After all this she just grows worse I don't think I have to try very hard To apply this to us right I mean this is us This woman's sick, she's sick, she can't fix herself. We're we're sick, you guys, we are. We're sick, we're sick with envy, we're sick with lust, we're sick with pride, with strife. We're sick with uncontentment, sick with greed, sick with hatred, with depression, regret, physical pain. We're sick with distrust, with doubts, with unbelief. Sick with insecurity, with cancer, arthritis, back pain, hatred. We're sick with inadequacies, with failed attempts at religious piety. We're sick with sin, the curse of sin. We're sick. I was looking at a poll just now, um, before this. They pulled 2,345 adult Americans, and 33% were happy. (laughs) 33%, right? We're happy. I mean the, non, the non-christians are sick they just don't know why the only difference is we know why right we know we understand that adam fell and that we are cursed that this world is cursed and that we're sick <laughs> we're sick and that implies that we need a physician like this woman she's daily struggling strife to feel better and most of us spend a lot of our lives just trying to relieve the sickness even if it's just for a minute A lot of us, when we get depressed, we get anxious, we get upset, we just, anything to do to relieve that stress. And our culture is completely built about, uh, completely, completely built around relieving that stress, even if just for a moment. That's why we worship idols. Anything that'll relieve that sickness, anything that'll relieve that hurt, relieve that pain. It says that she suffered from the doctors. I think that's interesting, okay? She didn't just suffer from the illness, the sickness that she had, she also suffered from those who were trying to treat her, that she was paying to treat her. She suffered more from them. Listen to this, this is funny. (laughs) The prescription for a woman who had this problem, according to the Talmud, this is just a few of the funny ones, they're all absurd, was firstly to carry the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen bag in the summer and to carry the ashes of an ostrich egg in a cotton bag in the winter. So you go to the doctors of that time with this issue and they say, here's what you gotta do, right? (laughs) Or (laughs) carry a barley corn found in donkey dung or drink wine with alum or crocuses or wine with onions. I didn't believe that the first time I read it and then I found multiple sources that this is actually the prescribed, this is what the doctors would say, okay, you're sick with this, here's what you do just ridiculous I mean no power to heal right just absurd this is what the doctors are telling her she's actually suffering more from these doctors than she is being helped and she's spending all of her money on it again the things that we think will heal us and they usually end up bringing more pain don't they I mean, we spend our lives, we know we're sick, right? This is a cursed, a fallen world. We spend our lives just trying to be healed by things, self-medicating with whatever we can find that's gonna bring a momentary joy. This is where this woman is found. She's sick. She she, She has nothing going for her. She's tried everything that she can to be better. Verse 27 she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For he said, if I touch, or for she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. Now, Mark doesn't really explain this. He doesn't say why she thought to touch the garment. Um, it was kind of believed back then, just so you know, it was kind of believed that if someone was a great ruler, or had, had great power, that if you were to touch their garment, that they could actually release blessing to you. Um, people believe that about like Alexander the Great people will try to to touch his garment in hopes that they could be blessed somehow by that also could have been just that she um, knew he was of God and hoped that he could help I mean at this point she just wanted help (laughs) she just wanted anyone or anything that could help I'm sure that she had heard about Jesus and the miracles that he had done Now, notice that she approaches him from behind right she doesn't come up to now Jairus he just goes right up to him why because he's a man of, of influence he's a man um, that, that that literally could just walk through the crowd and have a conversation with Jesus this woman is not supposed to be in this crowd you understand that she's not supposed to be there in fact there would be huge consequences if she was found out there so she's got her cloak on right she's got her hood on she's walking through the crowd no one wants she doesn't want anyone to see her she doesn't come at Jesus from the front she comes at him from the back No one can know that she's there. There's a lot at stake here. I'm sure her heart is thumping, right? But at this point, hey, she needs to be healed. So she sneaks her way into the crowd, and she just reaches out, and she just touches his garment. Let's read on. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. She's healed instantly. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, verse 30, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, he felt it. Immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Hilarious, right? Jesus, you, I mean, his disciples say that you're in a crowd of hundreds of people. Everyone is as close to you as they can be. You're, at like, you're like in a mosh pit at a Christian concert where you go like this, you know? It's like you're as close to people as you can possibly be. And then you go, Hey, someone touched me. Everyone's touching you. What do you mean? You're in a crowd of people. What do you mean, Jesus? What are you talking about? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened, okay, now she's scared right now, right? (laughs) She's busted. (laughs) She's not supposed to be in that crowd. Everyone that she touches in there is now technically defiled, right? They're ceremonially unclean and they're not gonna be very happy with her when they find out that she, this woman, that I'm sure they know who she was They're not going to be very happy that she was in this crowd, so her heart's thumping. She's busted. Oh, man, this guy's going to wrap me out. It says, she feared. Knowing what had happened to her came in fear and trembling, but she fell down before him, told him with the whole truth, and he said to her, daughter, I love that, daughter, right? Not woman, not lady, daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Ah, oh, it's so awesome. Write this down. Jesus wanted a personal, if you're taking notes, Jesus wanted a personal encounter with this woman, okay? Now, what did she want? She wanted to sneak in and just touch his garment and take off. She didn't want to get caught. She didn't want to get busted. She didn't even want to know that she's there a lot at stake for her there sneaking into that crowd and doing that she just wants to touch him be healed and go she wants to feel better she wants to be done with his 12 years of hell that she's just gone through and she wants to go on her merry way what does jesus want for her (laughs) he wants more than that for her he wants a personal encounter with her she just wants to be healed he wants her to be eternally healed he wants her to be eternally transformed Not just momentarily transformed, not till the next sickness comes up that we deal with every day, whether it's uncontentment or whether it's a physical thing. He doesn't want that for her. He doesn't want her just to be momentarily healed. He wants her to be eternally transformed. He wants to see who it is. So he says, Who was that? Who touched me? Jesus is more interested that we know him than he is that we are momentarily healed. What's the goal? What's Jesus' goal? It's that we know him. It's not that we just get physically healed. Yeah, he physically heals. But his ultimate goal for you, church, is that you know him. How do I know that? John seventeen three. Jesus is praying for the church. Phenomenal piece of scripture. He says this. He says, and this is eternal life. So he's summing up eternal life. That they, the church, would know you, God. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus is praying. He says, this is eternal life that we would know God. Now, eternal life is not just that we would be healed of our sickness, right? Of our sin, of our struggles, of our hardships, of our hurts. That's part of it. Heaven is gonna be no sickness, no, no, none of that stuff. But heaven is not just being healed. Heaven is being eternally transformed. Heaven is knowing Jesus. If Jesus didn't really love her, He would just heal her and go on his way. But he loved her. So what did he do? He gave her the greatest gift ever, himself. (laughs) He says, I want to have a personal encounter with you. I want to look at you face to face. I want you to know who I am because Jesus is the greatest good that there is. He's the eternal good. Amazing quote by Tim Keller. He says, there is all the difference in the world between being a superstitious person who gets bodily healing and a life-transformed follower of Jesus for all eternity. There's a huge difference between a superstitious person that gets healed. Jesus isn't interested in that. He wants you to be eternally transformed with your affections fulfilled and set on Jesus Christ forever. That's his goal. That's his goal with this woman. That's his goal for you and me. It's awesome. Note also... It says that power had gone out of him. I think that's a cool, just little, if I can, just a little picture of the gospel right there. She touches him and he feels power go from him, which is interesting. What a picture of the gospel. What I mean by that is that Jesus has power and here's this woman that has none. Jesus has strength and here's this woman that has none. And when she touches him, what happens? She's made whole and he's made weak. (laughs) What happens on the cross? Jesus is made sin. He takes the wrath of God fully on him. He is made the scum of the earth. He is made weakness so that we can be made strong. What a cool picture of that. It's like a little snip of what was about to happen on the cross. So that we, you and I, the sick ones, the ones that are sick from the sickness of sin, could be made whole, but it comes at a cost. Power has come out from him. Kind of cool. Okay, so story's unfolding, but can you imagine? Uh, off to the side here, so this is all great. This is happening. This woman's, you know, <laughs> huge. She's getting, she's getting healed, and all this crazy stuff's happening. And then Jairus is over here, like, "Hello, <laughs> my my daughter's going to die. What are you, what are you doing?" And if Jesus was a doctor, he'd get sued for malpractice, right? I mean, you, you got someone with a broken leg, and then you got someone that's about ready to die. Who do you treat, Jesus? treats the one with a broken leg, right? I mean, he treats the one that, that isn't dying, but is sick. And Jairus is probably like, what's what's going on? Verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So they come up, and they talk to Jairus, and they say, hey, it's all good. She passed away. You don't need to worry about having Jesus come to heal Verse 36, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Um, That word overhearing was interesting. That Greek word can literally be translated to ignore or choose to discount the truth of something. And two of the three translations of that word say the same thing. To discount the truth of something. So it's almost like Jesus hears that. Hey, she's dead, but he doesn't really care. (laughs) Yeah, whatever, not worried about it. Because what is death to Jesus? We learned about that on Sunday. What is death to Jesus? He is life, right? So he's not worried about it. You notice Jesus doesn't speak about the circumstances of the little girl. He doesn't say, oh, okay, you know, well, how dead is she? Is she mostly dead, Princess Bride fans? You know, she doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't talk about, you watch Princess Bride, that's great, (laughs) he doesn't talk about the circumstances of the little girl. This is really similar for me in my mind to the story of Lazarus, right? It's really similar. What happens in the story of Lazarus? So, so his friend, it says John says specifically, Jesus' friend, Lazarus, is sick. So his sisters come to Jesus and they say, hey, you gotta come now. Your friend, Lazarus, he's, Lazarus, he's sick. You gotta come. And Jesus says, okay. And then he waits. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's four days he waits. It's like, what are you doing, Jesus? Your friend's gonna die not worried about it. No big deal, right? Finally, Jesus comes, and one of the sisters goes out to greet him, and she says this. She says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus isn't worried about it. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That's kind of like that. Yeah, I get it. I know. Like, you know, he'll be in heaven. And Jesus said to her, no, no, no. I'm the resurrection and the life. Yeah, that whole death thing, yeah, I'm life. (laughs) I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then what happens? Jesus goes to the tomb, he says, Lazarus, he speaks. The word of God speaks life, and Lazarus comes out, right? Just walks. I mean, Jesus didn't even have to, like, do some crazy dance moves. He just spoke, and he comes out. He's just, it's its phenomenal. It's exactly what happens here. Listen to what he says. If you're gonna underline any verse, do this one. Do not fear, only believe. Can we say that together? Do not fear, only believe. One more time, do not fear, only believe. I mean, what a thing to say. <laughs> do not fear, only believe. He's got it. What is death to Jesus? You realize death is our greatest enemy? And Jesus just speaks it away. <laughs> I mean, his power, it's, it, it's awesome. We don't need to focus on the magnitude of our situation, just the magnitude of our savior, amen? We don't need to focus on the magnitude of our situation, just the magnitude of our savior. Let's read on, verse 37. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Talitha kumai. That's a really cool word. It's Aramaic. Jesus says in Aramaic. Talitha is a feminine form of the word lamb or youth. Little girl. But but it's endearing. It's an endearing word. It's it's like I, I call my, my daughter, I call her, um, you know, baby girl or, or sweetheart. She's my sweetheart, <laughs> you know? And she's crying her head off in her crib and doesn't want to go to bed. I go in and I pat her belly and I say, it's okay, sweetheart. It's endearing. She's my daughter. I love her. I love her so much. It's endearing. He says, sweetheart, little girl, daughter. <laughs> arise he doesn't go be revived or he just he just goes up like she's just waking up from a nap just come on you're awake just so gracious just so soft so gentle just like a father waking up his daughter <laughs> it's awesome it's just awesome this is this is our god man he breathes stars He's an all-consuming fire, but he walks up to a little girl of 12 years old and just says, sweetheart, wake up. And he just raises her from the dead. It's awesome. So we have 12 years of life and excitement. This girl was 12 years old. I think it's interesting and not by accident that she was 12 years old and that this woman that had this disease, this issue of blood, had it for how long? 12 years. 12 years. They both had 12 years. One had 12 years of joy and happiness. I mean, the first 12 years of your life, aside from, you know, your brother stealing your toys or something, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Everything's new. Everything's exciting. You know, you just the world is huge. The world is awesome. The first 12 years of your life are great, joy-filled, and here's this joy-filled little girl having to deal with death at this young age. And then here's this other woman who just had 12 years of hell, the worst probably years of her life, years that she wishes, wishes she could get back, years that she probably would have rather been dead than to face, of loneliness and hurt. So you have a, a woman that spent 12 years of that and a woman that, and, and a little girl that had spent 12 years of life. And the reality of it, guys, is they both needed Jesus desperately. I think God's, God's heart for you guys tonight, for us, is that it doesn't matter if you're in a season that's awesome or a season that's horrible. The answer is the same, it's Jesus. It's just Jesus, you just need him. He's all that you need. It may not always be great. She had 12 years of joy and then she just about died. And in fact, I'm sorry, she did die. <laughs> and Jesus was still the answer. Both incidents show that when human means have failed, God, through Jesus, will succeed amen? Will you guys study that this week? Just study that out. See what the Lord would have you in. That's such an amazing piece of scripture. I mean, I just love seeing God's heart in that. These are real people, like I said. These are real, there's a real woman. That's a real man named Jairus with a real little daughter that Jesus loved. I mean, it's amazing. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your heart. I thank you, Lord, that you are strong. You're our King, Lord. You flip tables, Lord. You don't deal with, uh, Lord, You don't deal with sin by ignoring it or winking at it, Lord. You deal with it by taking it on yourself. God, I thank you that you're our Father, that you're a strong Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are heaven, God. That heaven is more than just being cured of this sickness, Lord. But that heaven is eternally discovering the fullness of who you are. Jesus, I pray for heritage, Lord, that we would be those that would believe in the miraculous. God, that we would weep with those that weep, Lord. That the is out there that are in here even, Lord, that, that are shooken up because they're losing their little girls, Lord, that we would believe for miracles for them and that we would point their eyes to you, Christ, the only true answer. God, I thank you for those, Lord, in this church that don't have the courage to approach you from the face, but even just want to reach out and touch your garments, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you feel that touch. God, that you know those people. God, I thank you that you are our pastor. You're you the apostle of apostles, God. Jesus, thank you for being our high priest. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.